to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Monday, everybody. Another big week here, without a doubt. And let me just kind of outline this particular episode. There's going to be, I've got a few uh, school-related things that I want to bring up here right at the top. And then I've got some jab-related things that I want to get into and some more updated information on the jab rollouts. And then I kind of want to finish uh, by briefly discussing some of the things that are happening in Canada, just from my my opinion, and some of the things, again, that I'm seeing from the outside looking in. And I think, again, a lot of it is great. I think a hundred, you know, much of it is absolutely fantastic, and it's sending some excellent messages. I just think that it's also sending certain messages that um, could be slightly misleading, I think, down the line, because the problem is much, much bigger, again, than having people within government quit, only to potentially be replaced by other people. Um, But let me get into this education-related stuff uh, first here, because, again, the, the enemy is coming from lots of different angles within this failing system. And the failing system is of American K-12 and higher education is really holding on by a thread. I think it's having a very difficult time right now. It's continuing to have a hard time. Uh, and, and more and more people are walking away, which is exactly what should happen. And again, I've, I've said it endless times that they will collapse under the weight of their own lies, their own corruption, their own indoctrination, and their own widespread child abuse. And again, this has all risen to the top now where everybody can see it. And I want to I read one example here, too, that occurred uh, a, while, a little while back within the Scottsdale, Arizona School District, or a Scottsdale, Arizona School District, specifically Paradise Valley Unified School District. And again, it had to do a lot with the rollout of a particular book by an author by the name of John Ronson's or John Ronson, and his book is titled, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And it's remarkably inappropriate, as you might expect, because those are the kinds of books, again, that are published by communists, written by communists, in the interest of confusing youth and perversing their minds um, in order to warp them and then, of course, normalize remarkably immoral behavior. So I'm going to read this quick article here describing it, and then I want to play these two audio clips from a city council meeting where this very subject was brought up. So the article reads as follows, and this comes from ArizonaDailyIndependent.com. Again, this article was written back in November, but the audio clips are just from last week. So here we go. It says, high school students in Paradise Valley were assigned sexually explicit book about porn industry and bestiality. It says, as calls get louder for a criminal investigation into how a sexually explicit book came to be included on an advanced placement, AP English reading list, at Horizon High School in Scottsdale, the students and staff learned Monday that they have a new principal for the time being. Superintendent Tony Bales of the Paradise Valley Unified School District announced to parents, students, and staff of Horizon High School that Shelley Strophus, if that's her last name, um, is now acting principal. The change was necessary, Bales wrote, because Principal Linda Inat is on leave. I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Inat's co- uh, conduct and that of English teacher Brian Morgan and Jay Parizic, a Parizic, 
is the subject of recent parental outrage over the assignment of John Ronson's, quote, So You've Been Publicly Shamed book to students as young as 15. At least one parent said that he filed a police report related to the book being provided to his daughter, while other parents have called for the Arizona Department of Education to look into the school's policies. According to Tom Thomas Morton, he learned of Ronson's book from his 15-year-old daughter and was shocked to find it available to Horizon's 2,100 students via the library. The book is described by the publisher as exploring the effects of public humiliation in the internet age, but a simple Google search reveals its adult sexual themes, including the porn industry and bestiality. It also does state that this particular principal, who was then let go, has been around since 2013-2014 school year, and that countless parents had been complaining over the course of time, not just about that book, but other numerous things and other kinds of assignments and behaviors. Um, down toward the bottom here of this article, which I'm going to wrap up here in just a second, it says Arizona uh, revised statute under the chapter titled obscenity makes it a class four felony to recklessly furnish, present, provide, make available, give, lend, show, advertise, or distribute to a minor any item that is harmful to the minor. It then says that the legal definition for harmful to minors is quite detailed, but it includes any description or representation in whatever form of nudity, sexual activity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, or sadomasochistic abuse. If the average adult applying contemporary state standards with respect to what is suitable for minors under various criteria, it also says that a showing that a person had knowledge of the character of the item is also criteria of ARS 13-3506. When things like this happen with books within libraries and the inappropriate nature or content of the books or even having the books then pushed on individuals, and again, I'm unaware of the situation specifically, whether the book was used by everybody within the classroom or if it was within a, you know, a much larger list. It implies clearly that it was a part of a much larger list. That doesn't make it right. But in order for it to be on that list, someone would have had to have read it. Uh, because books cannot make their way to a list like that if they aren't read in advance. Unless, of course, they're purposefully not read so that they can essentially engage in plausible deniability and say that, well, we didn't know what was in the book. And then, of course, someone would come back and say, well, aren't you supposed to read it? And they'd say, well, it was recommended and we just put it on there and it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, engaging in those kinds of behaviors is not uncommon when it, when it comes to, again, adding something to a, to a much larger list and not taking the time or engaging in the due diligence to make sure that the content of said material is appropriate or not. Again, it's, it's funny because as you're hearing this, it's the homeschooling family that's not having to deal with this. Unless, of course, you know, the homeschooling parent um, is pushing this kind of a book on their child, which frankly is unlikely. It really is unlikely that that would be the case. I'm not saying that it wouldn't happen, but. You get what I'm saying. But I'm going to play this audio now, 
and there's a unique aspect of of this audio that might go i would say unnoticed by some um because one of the things that communists will do within books such as this is they either pump these books full of their own beliefs which are not facts they're just beliefs or they purposefully inject propaganda within these books to perpetuate not just a lie of a singular subject matter, but multiple lies of multiple subject matters. So again, I'm just going to play this this first audio clip here of a woman who introduces herself, and then you'll again hear the slight exchange between herself and one of the council members regarding the content of this book. Good afternoon, Madam Chair, members of the committee. My name is Sherry Sapir. I am a candidate for superintendent of public instruction, a mother of three children, and I'm here to, to speak in support of HB 2495 on behalf of myself. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Representative uh, uh, Hoffman for bringing this forth. I'm actually shocked that he has to. It seems to me that in a decent and sane society, we should not even have this conversation. Pornography should not come in front of children inside of a building or outside of a building that is a school or not. Uh, allow me to read um, from an assignment that was given to uh, students in the Paradise Valley School District. With each blow, the girl yelping pain, as grinning gray-haired mostly became clearly aroused. And after the beating, he made her perform a sex act on him. His Jew-hating father, who had Hitler as a guest of honor at his marriage, would have been proud of his warped son's command of German. Give you another example from that same book. She told me about her favorite thread. It was started by a guy who is genuinely in love with his dog, and his dog went in heat, and so he went around collecting samples and injecting them into his penis, and he effed the full word, his dog, and got her pregnant, and there are his puppies. This is an assignment in a school in Paradise Valley. When Representative Hoffman brings this kind of bill in front of you. This is what he's talking about. These are the kind of materials that we don't want in front of our kids. We already heard, heard all the, uh, the laws we have in statutes. LS 13-3506. Okay, I'm going to play the second half of it here in just a second. But again, that right there should show people that the people who write these kinds of books just love throwing in other material to further confuse the reader or solidify what the reader believes is actually real from something else that they're you know that they're being taught. Again, they throw in they throw in Jew hating, uh, German loving, you know, creating a division there, while again distorting history any way that they want. All while again pushing their own perversions on endless people. What's also funny, of course, and and necessary and predictable, is within the background you can see a, f- a number of adults sitting behind her, in one particular row. I mean, they're all shaking their heads in disgust and hanging their heads down. And I mean, again, the homeschooling family is not having to deal with this. This is all communist-driven, government-driven indoctrination. It's Weimar Germany all over again. And again, an accurate telling of history is that these were the kinds of books that were burned in Germany. It was these kinds of books. It was not the 
wholesome books or the Bible or books about art or architecture or engineering or, you know, whatever it may be. Those were not the books that were burned. It was these books that were burned. So if a person ever says, well, I'm against burning books, are you really? Are you really against burning that book? Again, my point is this. Those are the kinds of books that would be burned, which again has unfortunately distorted history to the point where everybody just believes, well, these kinds of books should just exist and we should just, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of expression and we should just let it happen. Only does that card get played by a communist when they're interested in pushing their own agenda. Any other time, freedom of speech, freedom of expression is verboten. They, they want nothing to do with it. So here's the second part of the audio and her talk. And again, you'll also hear the exchange between the council member, who clearly, I might add, is, <laughs> is defending the book and immediately uh, goes after sexuality. And you, you'll hear the exchange because it's completely irrelevant. I find it a disgrace. I think everyone, regardless of party affiliation, should support protecting children in Arizona. And with that, I'm available for questions. Uh, Madam Chairwoman, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your last name. Ms. Sapir. Ms. Sapir, thank you. Um, It's always a big step to run for office. And as someone who said that you're running for superintendent of public instruction, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Would you be fine with this bill if we just removed the word homosexuality and kept everything else? Thank you, thank you, Madam Chair, Representative. I would let Representative Hoffman uh, work the details with you. I trust his judgment. To me, this has nothing to do with homosexuality. It really doesn't. I have nothing against homosexuality. I just don't want any kind of sexuality coming in front of minors. Mr. Uh, Madam Chairwoman, thank you. Um, I appreciate you wanting to defer to an expert because he's a legislator and obviously an expert in this. Um, Oh, yes, please do, Mr. Hernandez. I, sorry. Um, when have you ever had to your, sorry, defend your straightness as a person? So he just said, when have you ever had to defend your straightness as a person? Now, again, he's giving, he's giving himself away here. It's, it's, it's evident what his sexual proclivity is. He's wearing a mask. There's two people around him wearing masks. He's a Democrat. All the boxes have been checked here as to where he sides on all of this. He's probably a fan of the book, doesn't see this as being a problem, doesn't like the laws that are being written or being proposed that would keep such things out of schools. These are the kinds of people that find their way into these kinds of positions and love perversing youth as much as humanly possible. I'm going to finish the audio here with the slight exchange because, again, it's, he just gives himself away as being a fraud. Have you ever had to... Is this, what, what, is that that relevant? Relevant? I don't think that's really relevant. Okay. Uh, I will let that go. Thank you, sir. Again, this kind of behavior is not going to get better with time. These people are double-jabbed, They are already unhinged. Spongiform encephalopathy is a real thing. Lack of logic in basic conversation is going to just increase with these individuals. They're going to become more unhinged. And again, you you can hear it. He, He has no facts to bear 
regarding the issue at hand. He's not even paying attention. His emotions are overshrouding anything, uh, any sense of logic he might even have, which of course he has none, which then means that his default setting is name-calling. It's character assassination, character smearing, and name-calling. These are the behaviors of an undeveloped human being. In Eric Erickson's stages of psychosocial development, this would imply that the individual has not graduated from the appropriate stages at the appropriate time and is now again exerting certain behaviors that would indicate that they are basically an adult baby. They're an adult baby. The woman is very articulate, raised serious concerns, was supporting the law, and then he's like, whatever, you don't like it because you're straight. And then that was, the, <laughs> that was all he had. That's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And it's sad that this is, again, just continuing to happen. In many cases, there should be full-blown bulldozers that, that run their way right through school libraries. And it seems to be, again, just the absolute worst within school districts that take these hard left stances. And again, that shouldn't shock anybody to this point. Let me give you another example of another school that's lost its mind. Um, this particular article comes from some newspaper out in California, not sure which, but here's the title, South Bay, wherever that is. Uh, it says, it's, it's titled, Youngsters Organize, Youngster Organizes Family-Friendly Drag Night by Michael Hickson, staff writer. It says, quote, for one ambitious South Bay seventh grader, 2022 has already been revolutionary, and that's saying something for a 12-year-old who is about one and a half years removed from coming out to her parents as omnisexual. I don't even know what that is. And, re and receiving unequivocal support from them, and is approaching the one-year anniversary of founding the Rainbow Alliance Club at her school. The caption under the picture says, Lee Scott, or Leah Scott, interviews Tammy Brown from season one of RuPaul's Drag Race at an event at Rolling Hills Prep hosted by the Rainbow Alliance Club Scott started last year. You can see where this is going. It continues, it says, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to spare everybody that. It says, but among the most amazing moments for Lee Scott, a student at San Pedro's Renaissance School, came earlier this month when she organized an outdoor drag queen event attended by more than 100 people. And there you go. These are the kinds of school clubs that are existing as well. They're being sanctioned by the school, the administration, the parents, some members of the surrounding area, clearly. Uh, it's Weimar Germany all over again. And there are numerous pockets of this existing, lots of different places. But even when it's not very visible, it still exists. And it's existing, again, primarily within the hiring practices of endless administrators within these buildings because, again, if they lean a particular way, whether it's a sexual proclivity or an ideology or whatever it is, they're going to hire like-minded individuals. They can hear them. They can see them. They can listen to the way that they talk about particular issues during an interview. And then, again, they hire these people. So if the people who are in charge are the ones that are supporting 
these kinds of books or these kinds of clubs or these kinds of materials. It should show you all you need to know about the actual environment itself. And it should show you about their hiring practices and what long-term goals they have set forth for American children. Because again, government wants to be the negligent parent. They don't want parents to be parents. Government wants to be parents, in particular K-12 schools. Now, shifting gears here, I want to bring up some of this um, more recent jab manipulation and jab information that's coming out. Number one, Dr. Jane Ruby put out a lot of information over the last week or so regarding uh, embalmers and what embalmers are finding in the bodies of the individuals who have passed away as a result of the vaccines. Of course, they're being categorized as a COVID death, but we know that that's not the case. What they're finding, again, are full-blown blood clots. They can't even get the embalming fluid in these individuals because the blood clots are so thick. So they're having to do whatever they can to remove as many of the blood clots as humanly possible just in order to, again, do what it is that they do. Um, That's the first thing. And again, that's not getting better. Uh, I want to play this quick piece of audio here and then come in on the other end and, and describe exactly the word manipulation, but you're going to hear it. See, local news outlets are having a really difficult time right now telling the truth about why people are losing limbs and why they're dying. And this particular woman, again, has had two legs amputated as a result of blood clotting, which they don't mention, but they do mention that she has been vaccinated, and they're calling it COVID complications as to why she's having her legs cut off. That's not it, ladies and gentlemen. It's blood clots. This is an example of a 20-year-old healthy woman who, you know, now her life has changed forever. This is Claire Bridges, a bubbly cava tender at the Grassroots Cava House in St. Pete. She's sitting in a hospital room right now, facing the unthinkable reality that she's going to have to have both legs amputated after getting sick with COVID. Claire was vaccinated. She wasn't getting circulation to her legs. um, And because of that, there was a lot of muscle damage. She was born with a serious heart condition, which led to multiple complications after contracting the virus. She nearly died multiple times, yet still somehow has kept her spirits up. There's just such a positive ray of light, and she's just such a wonderful woman. When she woke up and they told her about it, she was very calm and very peaceful. And she just looked at them and said, I want bionic legs. And that's kind of the attitude that Claire's held um, the whole time. Friends and family have raised tens of thousands of dollars through multiple online fundraisers for her medical bills and future expenses. They're also showing love in the form of notes compiled together in a book, letting her know she's not alone. Everybody wants Claire to know how much she means to them and let her know how loved she is and how supported she is. Though her prognosis is dire, her best friend and roommate says Claire's future remains bright, even if it seems dark in the moment. I think she's going to make the best out of this and, and have many opportunities to come in her life. Just take it seriously and realize that it's not a joke. In Tampa, Josh Cassio, Fox 13 News. We'll be thinking and praying for her for sure. She's going to have a long road to recovery, but Claire's friends say once she's able to, they believe that she will become an advocate and a voice for others who are overcoming adversity. Not a peep. 
not a peep about blood clotting and the jabs. Already had a heart condition, perfectly healthy human. Those again, it was in the comments section. Those two things don't go in the same sentence. They just don't. Now everybody who dies from the jabs is going to be, or gets a limb cut off, from the jabs is going to be an advocate for overcoming adversity. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's adversity that took her legs. And overcoming such adversity is what's going to remind everybody that you can take the shots and live without two legs, I, I guess. I don't even know the wavelength that they're thinking here. The signs just can't be any more clear, and yet the media is refusing to touch it. This is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Why even have the story? Again, lots of people experience lots of different health-related issues for a variety of reasons, but this one is clearly jab-related. And of course, they're blaming it on a heart condition, and she had COVID and almost died from COVID, and that's what led to her lack of circulation in her legs. No, no. Who's ever had, who, who has ever had a lack of circulation in their legs from the flu? or from a common cold. I've never heard of that. Not ever. Again, they're just doing whatever they can to cover up as much of this as humanly possible. And can't we all just sympathize with this person for a while because they're a young, attractive gal and, you know, now both of their legs are going to be gone, but she's in good spirits and going to be an advocate for people who are in the same situation. I tell you what, you cannot hide the truth forever. You just can't. It's going to come to the surface here. And speaking of that truth, and more people that are actually speaking out about it, and God bless them for doing it, this is Michael Palmer, MD, and he is the Associate Professor of Biochemistry at the University of Waterloo, and these were comments that he made in a one-on-one -on -one interview in 2021. Give this a listen. Hello, the mRNA vaccines. This is really a technology designed to poison people. That is my considered opinion as a medical doctor. Working in biochemistry, teaching pharmacology and toxicology. They have two components. One is the messenger RNA, which contains the blueprint, in this case for the spike protein, that occurs normally on the surface of the virus particles. And the idea is to sneak this messenger RNA into our own body cells in order to have them make the actual protein to which the immune response, uh, the system then responds. The second component is the lipid nanoparticles, right? These lipids, fat-like molecules, they encase the messenger RNA. And they serve two purposes. One is to protect the messenger RNA while it is in transport. And secondly, also to help it enter the body cells. There are several different components. And one of them is so-called cationic or electrically positively charged lipid um, is known to be quite toxic. They tend to, once they are inside a cell, to disrupt the mitochondrial respiration. We have to assume that just as with radiation, there is a total dose limit, total lifetime dose limit that you can survive. What that means is 
a total lifetime dose of these messenger RNA vaccines that you can tolerate before you die is limited. We don't know the exact amount because there are simply not enough experimental data, right? That's actually one of the uh, great scandals of these vaccines is that no proper toxicity studies have been carried out before these were rolled out and applied worldwide to the population. In principle, we can be quite certain that the total dose of these vaccines that you can tolerate before you die is limited, whether that's 10 shots or 20 shots or 8 shots, nobody knows. So this is really a technology designed to poison people. And that right there is exactly why the media apparatus in this country and around the world has to be destroyed. It has to be completely destroyed. You cannot leave a media apparatus in place when the truth is in plain sight like that. Again, false equivalency. I've said it a thousand times. I'm going to keep beating that dead horse. You cannot have a media apparatus that says, well, she lost her legs and is overcoming adversity. And then you have this medical doctor of biochemistry who says it's a poison. It will kill you. It is designed to do that. You can't have both. Someone's right and someone's wrong. So who are you going to believe? You know, Jackie Williams from Channel 2 News, or are you going to believe a biochemist who knows exactly what's going on? That right there is it. That's the comparison every human has got to make. This next audio clip that I have here, I, I want to play a little bit from the most recent episode of The Five Docs, which again is on Rumble, and you'll see numerous clips of it on BitChute also. But again, as I've stated before, they're on the Critically Thinking channel on Rumble. And th what, what you're going to hear right now is uh, Dr. Christian Northrup talking about the infertility rates and the statistics regarding the infertility rates. And it's astonishing. And again, if anybody is uncertain as to whether or not this is a depopulation agenda, it certainly is. By the way, she also brings up the sexually transmitted aspect of these shots because they are sexually transmitted. I wrote about that a year ago. Um, I've been speaking about that on this podcast for, for well over a year now. It had too many properties similar to HIV for this to not be sexually transmitted, and it is. So give this a listen. I've been in contact with Jim Thorpe out of Florida and also Missouri, who is a fellow of, he's a maternal fetal medicine expert. So his job is high-risk pregnancies. And I believe that he is uh, planning to sue the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Uh, he said there's never been any, any safety studies on this particular shot. Um, I have a little um, PowerPoint from him. He said, with the COVID-19 shots, the pregnancy loss is 273.7 pregnancy losses per month, per month. All other vaccines, the pregnancy loss is 5.4 per month. Uh, influenza vaccines, about one per month from the influenza shot. Pertussis, 0.04 per month. I've, for a while now, I've been frankly horrified that they're giving pregnant women DPT and flu shots in the second trimester of pregnancy. But as you can see, that pales in compared. So one 5.4 per month 
lose their pregnancy from all the other vaccines, 273.7 per month lose their pregnancy with the COVID shot. We know from uh, data that I don't have in front of me, but when they redid the data from that New England Journal of Medicine article, and I remember in June, because I was with you, Maureen, and we were in Tampa, and uh, there was a med student there from Israel, and he texted me and he said, wait, am I reading this data right? Because it looks to me like if you really just look at the data in the article and the article said, these vaccines are safe. And then you read the actual data and you see that if someone got the shot in the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, they have an 80% miscarriage rate. Okay. And we don't really call it a miscarriage after week 12. From 12 weeks on, that is, well, viability is, you know, maybe 24 weeks. Larry can speak to that. Um, but we're now having losses in the third trimester. Um, you know, that's not a miscarriage in any way, shape, or form. And the other thing that Thorpe points out is that women, once, let's say that they get through the pregnancy, um, the number of stillbirths is way, way up. It's way beyond what it should have been. So um, with the VAERS data, 2,433 fetal deaths in the VAERS database, Waterloo, Ontario, 86 stillbirths in five months. Usually there are five per year. Um, Vancouver, 13 in 24 hours. Scotland, 21 in one month. As an OBGYN, I maybe saw three stillbirths, maybe four, in my entire career of delivering babies. Can you imagine being on the staff at one of these hospitals, Waterloo, where they've got 86 stillborns in five months? It's unheard of. And then there is the degradation of the innate immunity in the newborn. And so there's, we're now seeing very unusual cancers in infants, uh, all kinds of things like that. So everyone here in this group has understood that the vaccine, the childhood vaccine schedule of 72 shots, those are mandated in my state of Maine, Larry's state of New York, 72 mandated shots by the age of 18 to go to school, to go to daycare, to do just about anything. Sherry, has been talking about that for over 20 years. And here we are with the weirdest situation where friends of mine who knew all that data and never gave their kids the childhood vaccinations are now lining up to give their children the COVID shot. And I believe Fauci just came out with a yes, schedule of yeah. three three COVID shots from uh, newborn to six yes. months or something. Um, it's no, six, six months to four years, but yeah, Larry's going to address that. Okay, good. But anyway, the other thing that we're finding, and again, it's very hard to nail this down. Um, and Carrie, I believe that you talked to somebody who worked in a fertility clinic and the eggs and the sperm are just not developing. Um, so uh, I think that we're headed for uh, perhaps a huge drop off in live normal births, even conceptions. And we know 
that the sperm count has been going down for the last 80 years. We know that already because there's been a kind of anti-life uh, agenda on planet Earth, fluoride in the water, GMO crops, chemtrails in the, in the air, all of that stuff. But this is ramped up at a whole new level. But to me, the most astounding thing is the mass hypnosis, the mass formation where mothers who are all into organic food and feeding their baby right and all of the rest are taking these kids in for that shot for babies. Or here's what they're told by OBGYNs. They are told you need to get this shot because if you don't and you get COVID when you're pregnant, it's going to be so much worse. Then, uh, so if you have the shot, it prevents you from getting really sick with COVID. There's no data on that whatsoever. And yet that is what my parent group, the American uh, College of OBGYN and the American Board of OBGYN is saying, and it is horrific. Uh, Jim yeah. Thorpe is working with them. He said, look, it's not too late to turn this around. You need to come clean. You need to step up to the plate. And he's not backing down. He is going to be publishing a paper called Sleeping with the Enemy. And I told him about our, uh, our study, My Cycle Story. And maybe, uh, Maureen, you could update us on where that is in the publication process. Because we know that women are getting abnormal periods all over the place. They're passing uh, decidual casts. The whole inside of the uterus just sloughs off, particularly if they have sex with a guy who's had the shot. Um, menstrual periods are messed up, 90-year-olds are bleeding. And we were all finding this out. We were all hearing these stories by spring of 2021. And it was these stories of women who were simply around those who'd had the shot, even when they hadn't had it themselves. And we know from uh, industry data that there's this self-spreading phenomenon. Uh, when you give someone the shot, they then are spreading something to others. So that's the state of fertility and the fact that um, young women I know, young women who grew up in my house with my daughters are now having their kids all um, inoculated with this. And I, I said to one of my daughters over Christmas, so um, your friends, I guess they don't know that they're never going to have grandchildren, huh? I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Did you get a response when you said that? From my daughter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was this. They know who I am. They know why I took my kids out of school. They've been friends of mine since I was three. They just are not going to listen. That's mm -hmm. that mass hypnosis. And I they were hanging around my house with their mothers reading my books for their whole lives. What yeah. happened here? No one even asked me. I mean, no one called to ask me. I'm sure what they did instead was just read the hit pieces on me in the mainstream media. This is where some of the rub comes, comes in for me personally, is I think to myself, wait a minute, this information existed at the onset of all of this. And everybody remembers the word anecdotal. Well, it's anecdotal evidence, and that doesn't mean anything. And it's anecdotal evidence, and it's just anecdotal. 
that exists within qualitative reasoning and analysis. You have to analyze what people are experiencing, what they are saying, how they are feeling about a particular thing, and then if there's medical proof that in fact particular things have occurred with them as a result of something else, that has to be examined. It has to be examined immediately. But the apparatus is so large and so corrupt that there's no slowing that train. That train's continuing to roll down the tracks here. And fortunately, again, there are numerous doctors that are now starting to say, a year after the fact, which is too bad that it's taken this long, but there are doctors, fortunately, that are out there saying, wait a minute, this has to stop. You know, we're, we're researchers. Um, we, we've got we've to stop this because these numbers are absolutely outrageous. Again, like the numbers that Tom Rents brought up during you know, the, the Senate hearing with Ron Johnson last week, last Monday, same thing. The numbers are through the roof on infertility, cancer. Pick, pick a condition. Just pick one. It's the sexually transmitted part of it, though, that is the most disturbing because, again, you have countless individuals who don't know that they're making each other infertile as a result of one individual potentially having taken the shots, of course, and then the other partner not. I mean, going forward in any relationship, this has got to be a question that's almost asked immediately. And, and that's really the, the dynamic shift here that's going to happen in society that's going to shake people to the core. They're not going to be able to wrap their arms around the fact that that's just one of those questions that's going to have to be asked again almost immediately. I'm talking like first date, second date. So did you have the jabs? Because if you don't ask the question and you're around them, you're, you're likely to have ill effects by just being around them. I'm not even talking about sexual intercourse. Just being around them can give you ill, can give you ill effects, which again, Dr. Northrup brought up. I think that right here is the next shift regarding the jab news going forward, is that more and more people are going to have to categorize these statistics go after the specifics, again, stop using the word anecdotal, and just start categorizing and, and documenting these events and asking the right questions. Of course, that takes a knowledgeable doctor and a knowledgeable researcher in order to ask those appropriate questions to elicit the appropriate response from the person, even if the person doesn't know that what they have done or injected into themselves is the reason why they can't have a child or the reason that their partner is ill you know their sexual partner is ill when their when their partner hasn't had hasn't had the jabs but these kinds of statistics moving forward are going to increase and having again the five docs bring this information to countless individuals and and I watch them I bring it to you as best I can you, of course, can tune into them anytime you want and watch them and make the same, you know, maybe arrive at the same conclusions or your own interpretation. But it's that kind of information that is eventually going to hit the mainstream, whether they want it or, you know, whether they want it to or not. It's just going to because it's going to be too obvious. As again, it was even brought up in their discussion. There, there's going to be too many families that are going to experience this. There's going to be too many wannabe mothers that aren't going to be able to have children. 
and it's already a part of their medical history now, and it's already embedded in, in their entire medical record that they've taken the jabs and that the fathers have taken the jabs, and everybody's going to wonder why, when it's going to be pretty evident, at least to us, that uh, the common denominator is, are, are these shots. So that's, that's about all I have on, on the most recent jab information. I wanted to wrap up by saying this, and again, I'm not there. I don't know all the specifics of what's going on. I don't think any of us do. Um, but I do support 100% the Canadian truckers and what they're doing. I think it's a fantastic thing. The same thing is happening in Australia. I think it's an excellent thing. It's happening in other foreign countries as well. My question lies with this, and that is how far are they willing to go? Have, have they... Have they strategized, so to speak, multiple avenues of where they believe their, their protest and, and their mission is going to take them in order to get rid of these corrupt, pedophilic, murderous governments? If they haven't played it out long term throughout the course of time, you're just going to end up with some resignations. Some some declarations of peace. We you know we're not going to do this anymore, and blah blah blah. And all that I think is going to do is drive the enemy further underground for the meantime, only to reemerge as something else. There are you know we're winning this war. I have no doubt about it because again, movements like what the truckers are doing in Canada is motivating so many more people. But I put this out on Gab, and I want to remind people of, of something, and I'm certain this is through and through uh, the Bible in, in numerous examples, but I used Superman and Batman as an example on Gab. And I said, one of the common themes with those two characters, whether it was, again, in, in the comic books or in the movies, is they would always end up bumping up against their own perceived morality. And it would keep them from doing the ultimate thing that they would have to do in the face of evil, which again was, you know, permanently, permanently hurting someone or even killing them. Not advocating for that, but I'm asking people to just think about this comparison for a minute. Superman and Batman would be beaten, you know, kicked, thrown around, bones broken by their enemies. Well, not Superman, because he's made of steel, clearly. But Batman, certainly. And they would be damaged and hurt in XYZ. Again, very biblical comparisons there. Same thing with Jesus Christ. Same thing. Of course, Jesus knew there was something else coming, and there was. Thank God for that, too. But their enemies would beat on them on purpose because they knew that they were incapable of doing the one thing that their enemy has no problem doing. And that's eliminating people. So, my question, and I think it's just food for thought, is is that in all of those situations, again, Batman-Superman comparison still, is that they ultimately ended up winning as superheroes once they realized what their full potential and power really was. And did they both kill in the comic books? Yes, they did. Did they both in the movies? Yes, they did. How many lives did they save from doing that? Endless. It's an incalculable number. And again, I'm not advocating for that. I'm asking, actually, 
what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm encouraging the truckers to be very careful, always have their heads on a swivel, because I'm watching some of this footage, in particular in the evening. And it's looking like, it looks like Woodstock. It looks like dance parties. Meanwhile, there are snipers on the roof of the Parliament House. There are government snipers up there. So I hope that they're considering, the truckers and, and the Canadian citizens, I hope that they're paying attention to the military aspect of this. What is the military going to do? Because you've got an awful lot of Canadians in one spot. It seems dangerous to me. I'm not saying that this entire thing isn't dangerous. It's war. I'm just wondering whether or not they're prepared. And I, I pray that they're prepared for, for worst case scenarios. Because all of those scenarios, in particular in war, have got to be considered. They all have to. To bring this back to K-12 schooling, same thing. K-12 school's a battlefield. The enemy exists within these environments, and they're trying to perverse children. They're trying to corrupt children, and they're trying to corrupt the minds of the individuals who work there. And could, potentially, become more intelligent over the course of time, but they'll never know because they're enslaved to that system. I, I don't think that the truckers want more of the same. I don't think Canadians or us in America want more of the same. There has to be a dramatic shift. The question is, is how long are those in the military or those in police forces or those that are morally sound, how long are they going to wait before they take the correct side of history here? and stand up against the tyrants and completely remove them. If by force, then by force. But when is that going to happen? I think that's the, um, that's the top that is spinning on the table right now, and it's only a matter of time before the top stops and it, and it tips over. And I, I, again, I don't know when that's going to happen. I pray for the safety of, again, the Canadians and the truckers that are there. Um, it's got false flag written all over it from, from an enemy standpoint. But again, I'm just looking at it from a, you know, a number of different angles, having not been there and, and looking at it from the outside in. But I'm going to continue to keep an eye on it. It's certainly a revolution of sorts, and I, and I sure hope that they remain and, and have multiple scenarios worked out and are sharing what those scenarios might be among the crowd there and among their fellow citizens so that they're prepared and they know what to do. So again, I wish them all the best. Prayers their way without a doubt. I hope everything continues to move forward in a productive direction. And uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.